You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome into the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad here as we have uh, dialed up the Purple Podcast to discuss the election of Randy Moss into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Judd, you wrote about this on our website, 1500ESPN.com, that if they didn't put Randy Moss in, it would be an abomination, and uh, they did not make a huge mistake. Moss is rightfully a first ballot Hall of Famer, the first first ballot Hall of Fame wide receiver since Jerry Rice, much deserved. And the only reason why I thought that he might not be, and and it would have been an abomination if he hadn't made it on the first ballot, um, was because this committee has been so weird when it comes to the receiver position. It's a 48-person committee, uh, mostly uh, writers, but, you know, when it comes, Chris Carter had to wait six times. I mean, Chris Carter, now, if you subtract, if you like these people personally or not, and just go on performance. Chris Carter should have been in on at least what the first three ballots. Took him six times. Uh, T.O. also going in now. I believe this was on try number three or four for him. But Randy Moss to me, and Randy Moss, as far as as a human being goes, his first go around with the Vikings, he did a lot of stuff that I didn't like, and I I never liked him personally that much. And you know what? At some point in time. Matthew, there are some players that you say, it doesn't matter what I think about them personally, they are a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I will give you the reason why, I mean, there's several, but I will give you the reason why Randy Moss was a no doubt, had to go in first ballot, and if he didn't, the system should have been blown up. In October of 98, the Vikings go into to Lambeau Field on a Monday night, and Moss has a massive game. And basically, this is his... Welcome to the National Football League. You people are all in for absolute hell for years to come game, right? In the 99 draft, Matthew, Ron Wolf, Hall of Fame executive, does not draft one, does not draft two. He uses his first three picks on that draft on a defensive back six feet or taller because of one player, Randy Moss. Randy Moss changed, changed the game, skewed it towards the game, the passing game that we know now, and was a no doubt, no matter what you think of him, and there was a lot to think about him, There, he was a no doubt first ballot Hall of Famer, and I'm just glad that this 48-person committee got it right. I don't think that someone's personality should ever be a part of it. I think it should be entirely on what they did, because we've all got different views of people's personalities and, and what they are. I mean, there are players in the Vikings locker room that I might get along with, but another writer might not get along with, or... There are things that happen off the field that you judge players on, but it's hard to always know the full story or some people change as they go along in life. And, yeah, he acted 
like a jerk a number of times. He embarrassed the Vikings a number of times throughout throughout his career. But what does that matter when it comes to how many games you won and how much you were worth? I mean, I I, I would put almost anything aside outside of the uh, Darren Sharper type. <laughs> then I think I would right. probably keep Darren Sharper because that's a that's a, a special instance. But when we're talking about an issue with a traffic cop or we're talking about um, things that he said in the media or whatever else that that's or just how he treated different reporters. I mean, I, I think that that's a, a totally uh, different thing and something that, that should just be ignored because then it just it just becomes a, a bias thing. And I, I felt that way with Terrell Owens, that with Owens, there seemed to be reporters who didn't like his act or didn't like the way he treated the media and decided that he should be punished for that when he and Randy Moss are very close to being on the same level. And and putting that aside, though, that part of the conversation and why he not only deserves to go in but on the first ballot, change the game is a good way to put it. I would say he broke the game. I mean, that that's the way that um, I look at only a handful of players in the history of this sport is they do things that are impossible and are absolute must-watch. And the guys that come to mind for my lifetime, there's only a couple. It's Randy Moss. It's Barry Sanders, Deion Sanders, guys Lawrence, who, Taylor. La- Lawrence Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, right. Guys, yep. guys who dominated the game by so yep. much that you thought it just wasn't fair to have them out there. And Moss is at the very top of that list. Yeah, and I mean, I just saw Moss. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I went to every home game in '98, maybe except for two, and um, and his abilities and his the fact that he changed the way the game was played and made these catches where you saw them and thought that's incredible i mean there were so many things about him that that struck me and and at the time you knew that you were watching greatness matthew but in retrospect now what you came to realize because you you don't know a player is changing the game i don't think until after the fact what you came to understand and respect was the fact that he did change the way the game was played. And it was as if the league looked at Randy Moss, and the league said, you know what, we're on to something here. This is exciting. He's fantastic. How can we get more of this? The two games in 98 that will always stand out to me are the Packers game I told you about and uh, Thanksgiving Day in Dallas, where if I'm not mistaken, I looked this up, he caught three passes, all three went for touchdowns. Yes, yes. And 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 he he dominated the National Football League like a basketball player dominates his sport only in football. That's damn near impossible. Yeah, yeah, so, for for one player to do team. that. Yeah. Yep. And the the things about Randy Moss that just say first ballot Hall of Famer other than the statistics. You know how great they are. He's second all-time in touchdowns he's fourth all time in receiving yards and that's with taking a handful of plays off we'll just say a handful uh, especially in oakland where he might have taken the whole entire season off but he's the yep. he is the perfect combination of everything it takes to be an all-time athlete i saw somebody tweet out that at his pro day coming out of college he ran a 425 which it would have been the second or third fastest in the combine this year was probably the fastest that season that he came out. So four two five at his pro day had a forty seven inch vertical, which only belongs to NBA players usually that you ever yep. see. And he was also 
an intelligent player. And, and I think that might be what people don't know about Randy Moss is that he, in the 30 for 30, he talks about just holding up and studying football and making football his entire life. So he thoroughly understood the game as well. But not only was he a freak, because we've seen a lot of freaks, but he was also a tactician, which is a, a, a lethal combination. Yep. I covered Moss in 2010. Now, I, I was around doing some stuff during his first stint with the Vikings, but I wasn't that close to the team. In 2010, though, when he came back for that ill-fated month, and it was a disaster, uh, one of the things that struck me about Moss, there's two stories here. One of the things that struck me was I would walk in the locker room during the access period, and as you know now, that's a period where a lot of guys go eat their lunch and avoid us like the plague, right? Yes, correct. Moss, Moss I, I remember seeing Moss more than once sitting at his locker with, as I recall, highlighters, note cards that were put in like a Ziploc bag. And he would be studying plays and, I guess, formations and, and things. And if you approached him, he'd say, I ain't talking. But he would sit there at his locker with like his own note cards and not not like a team issue playbook and that was moss cerebrally i mean he was a very smart football player very smart guy uh but i also recall once one incident uh the vikings had a cornerback named asher allen who was not very good he was small but he, he lockered near randy and this was also in 2010 and so we were all get, gathered around as i recall visante shako's locker and I remember looking at Moss's locker, and somebody from the TV side approached Asher Allen to talk to him um, for a brief period. And Asher was a very nice kid. And it's like, of course I will, sure. And so he does. He talks to the TV guy with the camera on. And as soon as it shuts off, the camera was pointed towards Asher, obviously, but it was also pointed towards where Moss was was sitting to study his play cards. And Moss said something along the lines of. Boy, don't you ever allow a camera to be pointed this way again. Hmm. And like Asher Allen looked crestfallen. But I mean, those were those were the sides of, of Moss. He was, as far as I, I could tell, and I don't know him well at all, but as far as I can tell, an incredibly complex person mm -hmm. uh, who could be incredibly, incredibly mean at times, could be brutal to people at times. But then you also heard the stories about how he worked with kids and things. But as I said before, no matter what you thought of Moss, when you can say that in your lifetime you think a player changed the game, that is a player that needs to go into the Hall of Fame, not on the second or third ballot, but on the first ballot. I would say if you watch one ESPN 30 for 30, only one, watch Rand University because – it is such a fascinating deep dive into where he came from and what shaped the personality that you saw. The guy that could be really difficult to deal with, the guy that clearly did not trust anyone, and that grew up from having a lot of people backstab him and running into some tough situations that maybe he didn't deserve. And, and one of those was um, getting kicked out of Florida State I mean, imagine, you know, you're Randy Moss watching all these states legalize weed, and that was the thing that you couldn't go to Florida State because of, because of a little a little pot, right? I mean, yep. 
that was a kind of a thing that followed him, and now you're watching like uh, these cute news stories on how people are starting weed businesses, and it's like, wait a minute, this guy was thrown in prison and, and made to look like a criminal for the same thing that now is being legalized everywhere, and that was part of the thing that I think shaped him as well. I mean, he had uh, lots of issues uh, when he was growing up, and he comes from a place that very few people are successful from. Uh, in Rand, West Virginia, and that yep. that that deep dive, I think, helped you understand why he is the way he is, so emotional and, and kind of a vulnerable guy too. Um, seeing him talk with the Twin Cities media when the Vikings told him that uh, he was going to end up in the Ring of Honor was really amazing uh, because he was so emotional during that. And most guys, I think, would come up and say. Hey, just happy to get in, and thanks to the Vikings, this is really exciting. And and he was extremely introspective, reflective. Uh, he got really emotional when he was talking about Denny Green giving him a chance. So it, it, it's a you're right about a, a complex character and one of the most fascinating pro athletes to ever live. Moss had a, a complete a distrust, and, and he still might of adults. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. he did he did work with kids, and and he was I, I've been told adamant that he didn't want that out he had a complete distrust of, of adults and i think the fi- i think the final straw because you, you're right in high school and, and uh, certainly in college he went through lots of things uh, i think the final straw was the fact that in the 98 draft he not only fell he fell to the 21st pick yes and as i recall jerry jones had told him flat out randy if you're there at like eight or nine for the dallas cowboys we're gonna take you and moss is like this is great and he passes on Randy Moss. And Denny was the one guy who said, you know what, let's take him. And and Matthew, I've always contended that Denny said that because um, in about, I want to say the 90, I don't know what it was, maybe the 94 draft or so, uh, Warren Sapp fell. There was a report that Warren Sapp had tested positive for, for dope right around the time of, of the draft. Right. And teams didn't know at that time, at that time the vetting process was much cruder. And as I recall, teams just started to pass on Sap, and the Vikings passed on Sap and took a Derek Alexander, who was a marginal defensive end, and they passed on this Hall of Fame player, Warren Sap. I think got taken this uh, the next pick or two picks after the Vikings by Tampa Bay, and goes on to this dominant Hall of Fame career. And I've always thought that that taught Denny and the Vikings a very important lesson, which was unless you're sure of something, take the player. But I really do think. The one thing that drove Moss, not just in 98, but for years and years after, was the list of teams that could have taken him that did not. And and he thrived on that. But, yeah, but for anybody that thinks that Randy was just this sort of, you know, that the whole, I, the thing that became famous with him was his quote to Sid in what was probably around 2000, which is, you know, Sid, I play when I want to play. And I think there were a lot of people like, this guy's an idiot. No, he wasn't. No, this was a very intelligent guy. Was he flawed? Absolutely. Did he play hard consistently? Probably not. But to me, his talent was so great that he could get away with doing that and still be fantastic because when he decided on the plays, and there there were clearly lots of them here with the Patriots as well, when he decided, I'm going to play, I don't know that there's ever been a, a receiving threat on the football field as far as immediate success as Moss. I mean, Jerry Rice is great. We, we could go down a litany of guys 
or fantastic, but I don't know if there was anybody who could instantly change a game if he wanted to as quickly as Randy Moss. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, perception, you should always question whatever the pr- public perception is on just about any pro athlete, no matter whether it's someone telling you that a guy is super classy because he might not be, or that a guy is an idiot because he, he might not be either. Uh, that Because a, a few clips get blown up and a few quotes get blown up, the straight cash homie and things like that, uh, yep. that they become what you're known for when that is not at all the case with uh, Randy Moss. Can you, by the way, tell the story that you told on... Saturday Sports Talk today about that quote and Sid Hartman, please. Oh, sure. So there was a, uh, uh, before I, I started at the radio station, I was, well, I started as, as what they call a copy at the Star Tribune, and then I worked a low-level job after that, and I started on the copy desk at the Star Tribune, editing copy and doing headlines at about, in about, I don't know, 96 or so. Anyway, there was about a four-year period where I strictly read Sid's column. I was the guy. So he would file his column. And for all of you that think that Sid doesn't write his column, that's simply not true. He does write his column. People like me, though, end up trying to interpret it and turn it into a combination of Sid and English, okay? <laughs> so so in doing that for about a four-year period, one night Sid files a column, and he has gotten exclusive with Randy Moss. And in this column... Moss is talking about a variety of different things, and it goes, you know, it goes to this subject and that. And at some point in the column, I want to say, now I'm trying to remember, I want to say 15 or 16 graphs down is the quote. I play when I want to play. Basically, basically, um, I think he had been, I, if I, if memory serves me correctly, Matthew, he had been called on the carpet because it appeared he didn't always try hard. And I think Sid was trying to, with his question, give Randy an out to say, oh, I always try hard. But Randy is a old school contrarian. He's never going to go along with what he thinks he should say. So he gave the quote, I play when I want to play. All right, so this is 15 graphs down. It's my job as a newspaper guy to flag a quote like that and say, hold on a second. This has to be moved up. So I took the quote and moved it up in, in the column, which is fine. I mean, it was his quote. It's not like I made the quote up. And then I believe, if I'm not mistaken, my uh, headline for the column was Moss colon, I play when I want to play. And I knew it would be, I knew it would get reaction. I had no idea. And Sid, and Sid, who I believe was mad at the start, and then as it became a huge scoop, started to like it, also <laughs> didn't know that... That that quote, because when I was doing, this is around the same time, Collar, that I was doing the uh, TV radio column for the Star Tribune, and I actually, and this is this is before Masses had started to watch film, okay? Yeah. And at that time, at that point in time, Merle Hodge and Jaws were like two of the main guys who watched film and broke film down. And the Vikings, I think this is right around the same time, had played a game in Chicago. And Merle Hodge had flagged accurately that if Moss knew he wasn't going to get a pass, he basically didn't do a thing. He didn't block. He didn't run. He didn't do a thing. And so I talked to Hodge about this, and he went off because he's an old-school football guy. Right, you know, he's, right. He, he's of the era, if you're on the field, you damn well better try hard. And 
I think this is shortly before the sit column. And so Merle Hodge goes off, and it's great stuff because he's like, I've watched the film. Go back and watch this. And, you know, Randy Moss is standing at, at the line of scrimmage. The ball is snapped, and guess what? Five seconds after that, Randy Moss is still standing at the line of scrimmage. And so I think Sid was giving Randy the chance to exonerate himself and say, oh, no, 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 I try hard on every play. And Randy, and this is where Randy got into trouble, being the contrary. He's like, no, Merle Hodges, damn, damn right about this. I don't try if I'm not going to play. And so that's where we got the quote and the headline, I play when I want to play. I loved listening to that story with you and uh, Patrick today because I had no idea that you were responsible for that in part uh, along with Sid. And, of course, when Randy Moss did his press conference here, that was Sid's first question was, remember when I got you to say you play when you want to play? <laughs> and and Randy said, well, you know, I mean, I always gave my heart to the game and all that sort of thing. Um, and, and, you know, even the, the times that he didn't, frustrating. And we just sometimes ask players to be so perfect. And if there's anything wrong with them, we want to shred that thing apart. You see it maybe in in all sports a, a lot, but you know it comes to mind with hockey. How if a guy doesn't back check perfectly all the time, he just gets ripped apart by Mike Milbury in between periods and things like that. So it happens in every sport. But he was so good when he was good that you could put that aside because he was just that spectacular. Um, before we wrap up, Judd. Yes, sir. Let's just quick go through the other guys that have made the Hall of Fame here. Um, Jerry Kramer, I was surprised to find out he wasn't in the Hall of Fame, actually. Uh, Brian, yep. So I, I can't tell you about watching Jerry Kramer film from back in the day with the Packers. Uh, okay. Brian, <laughs> no, you can't. Brian Urlacher is about as easy of a choice that you'll ever have, right? One of the most dominant linebackers ever. Um, Ray Lewis, the same thing. And by the way, if they were going to keep Owens and Moss out for character but put Ray Lewis in, that I would have been just outraged if that had happened. Um, yes. Terrell Owens, finally. I mean, come on. How, how this guy ever had to wait was ridiculous. Brian Dawkins was a, an incredible player in his time. And then former Oilers linebacker Robert Brazil, who I do not remember. Do you have thoughts on any of those players that are in? Uh, T.O. going in took too long. And, and here's my question about uh, – T.O., is he going in because you can't justify putting Moss in and not T.O., right? Yes. I think, but I will say this. The 48-person committee got it right this time. I don't think there's any huge miss. I don't think there's any controversy now. I don't think that there's, you know, the whole thing with, with receivers to me is odd, but I think they got it right this time. I think they finally, they finally put the right group in. And um, it took too long for T.O. Moss, that's great. Kramer, I'm with you. I was shocked that he, he hadn't been elected already. Um, but, you know, here's the other. And, and this comes, as far as I'm concerned, as a sports fan, this should be true of baseball. This should be true of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Everything. If Ray Lewis is going to go in, which as a player he should, okay, as a player, for what he did on the field, he should. But if Ray Lewis is going to go in, I think what all of these Hall of Fames need to do now, baseball included, is issue this jury instructions. You are not to consider you are not to consider anything but what a player did on the field. And if we don't and if we as a Hall of Fame don't want a person in, we will not allow you to consider him. 
Right. Okay. So like, so like a Darren Sharper. Like a Darren Sharper. And if they want to say, and they probably should say, Darren Sharper is not eligible. He can't go in. But for baseball, if Barry Bonds is on the ballot, you are not to consider anything you don't know about him. You're only to consider what he did on the field right. and his statistics. I mean, Lewis, God knows the real story there. But as a player, he deserves to go in. But I think what we need to do is we need to take out the morality police and, and to a larger extent, too, we need to take out, did you like the guy? Right. If, right. Rand, if Randy Moss told you to F yourself in 1999, you know what? You can't consider it. Right. And if you do right. consider it, you are jeopardizing your status in having a say in the Hall of Fame selection process. I think if you issued jury instructions to all of these committees, you would make your life easier. Now, I, I will say this uh, because the, I think the class is correct. I mean, I, I if I were voting, I, I think I would have voted in the same guys. The one thing that is unfortunate about this, because I agree with everything you said about, um, the, you know, the personalities and, and all that sort of stuff. And if you don't, if you are, if a guy does something so horrific that you don't want him representing your sport after he's gone, then just make him ineligible. I, I'm with that 100%. Another point is just... I feel like we should increase the number of players that are allowed to get in because we are so backlogged on players who deserve it. Steve Hutchinson will probably get in at some point, but my gosh, I mean, what what an unbelievable player, right? Like, I mean, just what an unbelievable offensive lineman. And offensive linemen just have an impossible time getting into the Hall of Fame. So I, I'd love to see Steve Hutchinson eventually make it. Um, anyway, thank you, Judd. Congratulations to Randy Moss. Um, just created a number of incredible memories for anyone who watched the NFL during his era. And uh, that'll wrap it up for us on this special edition. We're just going to call anything we do special edition, more or less, uh, here f- for Randy Moss going into the Hall of Fame. And thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 